Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of NFL Study Hall. The windows are foggy, the humidity is an all-time high here in South Florida, which means all is well in the world. You know, looking back at week five in the National Football League, I wasn't too surprised by how the games ended up winners-wise. I went 9-5 and five this week in game picks, but there were definitely some scores that stood out to me that made me question... Is the team that won really that good, or is the team that lost really that bad? And today, we're going to answer that very question for every single game that happened in Week 5. All 14 games, we're going to determine, was that team that won really that good, or the team that bad, or the team that lost really that bad? It's going to be a really... I'm really excited about this exercise. I really, really am. And it really is going to kind of determine how these teams will play out for their next few games and possibly the rest of the season. So we're going to jump right into Thursday Night Football, which was an unprecedented blowout victory by the Chicago Bears over the Washington Commanders 40-20. to Commanders came into this game 2-2, two and two, having lost their two straight. The Chicago Bears hadn't won a game all year, but did blow a 28-7 lead last week or two weeks ago against the Denver Broncos. And I guess they were due because they come in and they absolutely storm the commanders right out of the gate. It was 27-3 at halftime, ladies and gentlemen. I think this game proves that Chicago is just this good, which is hard to say for a team that just won their first game and had been allowing, like, I don't know, 27 points a game this year and their offense had nothing to show for it but this was the type of offense and the type of play that I had been expecting from the Bears from week one and it just wasn't happening but Fields comes into this one goes 15 of 29 282 four touchdowns still got sacked three times but DJ Moore eight receptions 230 yards and three touchdowns. Their run game was something of a factor with 178 total yards, 76 of them coming from Khalil Herbert, who only had 10 carries on the night. But this is the type of productivity I expected from the Bears. We saw it a lot last year. They changed a few pieces out, got DJ Moore, and I think they're better for it. They also got rid of Chase Claypool this week, which I think was a long time in the making. I don't really love him as a player or as an athlete. Their defense stepped up. Pretty well. They did allow 388 passing yards, but their rushing, like the commander's rushing attack, was nowhere to be found with only 29 total yards between only Sam Howell and Brian Robinson. That is fantastic recovery on the Chicago Bears defense, who are notorious for allowing, I guess, kind of both the pass game and the rush game to happen. But hopefully we can get a little bit of momentum from the Chicago Bears side. They've got some easier games, I think, coming up. Division rival uh, Minnesota Vikings at home. And then at home also for the Las Vegas Raiders who haven't put up their best stuff this year. So the Bears could definitely... I don't think they have any chance at the playoffs. But there is a great chance that they don't have to have the number one overall pick on their own. They could definitely get it from Carolina who owns who the Bears own that number one pick. So I really like what I'm seeing from the Bears. Let's go over to London, where the Jacksonville Jaguars took on the Buffalo Bills. And I guess the fact that Jacksonville had already been there a week helped out because they beat the Buffalo Bills, who had blown out their last three opponents handily to be at 3-1. 25-20 this game was for Jacksonville. I don't think this is... I think this is a fluke by Buffalo to get 
beaten like this and they played atrociously, especially on third down. I do think this proves, though, that Jacksonville is just this good. We'd seen them struggle a few times, especially against divisional opponents like the Houston Texans, as you as you know. They put up a decent fight against the Chiefs, but lost that one. But this is a team that I thought was going to blow out the competition in the AFC South. They haven't done that yet, but this game sure proves that they have that potential. It wasn't all on Trevor Lawrence's shoulders this time. Travis Etienne comes out with a massive game, 26 yards, 136 carries, and two touchdowns. ETN was basically the player holding everyone together because the defense never got to Josh Allen once, although they did hold him on fourth down very well. And Trevor Lawrence had two massive fumbles in opposing territory on the in the second half. It shift the whole momentum. Buffalo wasn't able to do anything with it. Now, granted, this defense is fifth overall in rushing yards, and that really showed because Buffalo only had a grand total of 29 total rushing yards, and Josh Allen had to throw the ball 40 times, and a lot of his yards came from those last few drives where the Buffalo Bills were forced to score something in order to get close in this game, but otherwise Jacksonville had them completely bottled up. Jacksonville is going to be a good team. Buffalo is still a really good team. I just think Jacksonville finally got into a groove, and hopefully this can kickstart a really great season for them. They're still just 3-2. and two. They've got plenty of time to work on it, and their division still doesn't look great, so I'm not worried. I'm not too worried about them. We'll go Houston Texans versus the Atlanta Falcons. Guys, I, I was ticked at this one. Man, Houston just absolutely... Let's Atlanta have this one. They came back to with a great touchdown at the end of Dalton Schultz. 19 to 18 was the score. With a minute 20 left, Desmond Ritter leads this team with like four plays to get into field goal range, enough for a chip shot for Young Ku. Atlanta wins it 29, sorry, 21 to 19 at home to move to three and two on the year, currently in a wild card spot in the NFC, surprisingly. But this game just showed that Houston is just this bad. People, I saw one ranking before this week that had Houston at the 11th spot in the NFL. That's absurd to me. Maybe they can get to 16-ish in that one stretch. They're, they're not there now, obviously. But 11's absurd. Finally brought down to earth. C.J. Stroud had a decent game in this one. 20 of 35, 249, and a touchdown. Damian Pierce did a little bit better with 20 carries and 66 yards, but his long was 15, and that was his long of the season. Like, there is no rushing attack in Houston whatsoever. Also, CJ Stroud set, set the record for least amount of inter, like no interceptions, most attempts to start an NFL career. He's been that's been the whole story about CJ Stroud. I'm just I'm not seeing W's on the board except well two good ones. Right here's the biggest thing. For this team, guys. 11 drives did the Houston Texans have. Six of them were four plays or less. Which means you are getting one first down immediately and then going three and out. Or you're just going straight up three and out. Because the Houston Texans, I don't believe, had a turnover in this game except maybe one fumble. I'm checking right now. No, not one turnover by the Texans which means all of those drives are ending in field goals or punts and not one of the drives that was only four plays long ended in a field goal. 
All of them ended in punts. The other five drives were where they got their four field goals and a touchdown. You have to get past midfield. You have to get sustainable long drives going more, more than less than half of your drives. The, the play calling is unbelievable. The, the pass protection's there because no sacks happened on CJ Stroud. Now, granted, no sacks happened on Desmond Ritter. The, off, the trenches were completely neutral in this game. But there's got it because the yard production is not terrible. It was just over 300 total for them. But you got to make it happen in the correct order where you have to be able to build drives. And then as a defense, you have to be able to get the quarterback. Houston is lucky they're 2-3 and three right now. I think they'll get a few more wins on the year. Like I said, my prediction before the year started was 5-12. and 12. I still hold by that right now. Moving on to the Carolina Panthers versus the Detroit Lions. This was Detroit all the way at home. Final score, 42-24. to 24. Listen, Carolina's bad. We all know that. They're the only winless team in the NFL. Detroit is just this good. It was 28-7 to in the second quarter, and they were doing triple-trick shots to reverse flea flickers, hit the tight end down the side. They were making fun plays in the second quarter just because they felt like it. The game was over when it was 14-0 first quarter. Jared Goff has a great, another great performance. David Montgomery with another huge touchdown. Everyone's getting utilized. And again, this was without Amon Ross St. Brown. This offense is just pristine. I want to say perfect, but it's not perfect. It's just pristine right now. Jared Goff is playing at a top five QB level in basically every statistical category. Ninth in yards, seventh in touchdowns, only three interceptions on the year, fifth in QBR, sixth in QB rating, and sixth in completion percentage. This team is fourth in points per game this year with 29.6, and their defense is making it happen on the other end of the field. This game was 28 to 10 going into the fourth quarter, and basically they were having fun after that and let Carolina have two touchdowns. It was never the comeback was never going to happen. It let they let them have that stuff, right? AJ uh, Hutchinson is having an amazing performance this year. As also Aiden Hutchinson, there we go. Thank you. I couldn't get AJ out of my head. I'm really liking what I'm seeing from the Lions right now. They moved to four and one on the year. Their division is, I guess, stupid easy with the Packers, Vikings, and Bears. So their division will be a lockup. Now you're basically competing. For that second spot in the NFC, because I'm pretty sure San Francisco's got number one on a lock. But Philadelphia at two, in my opinion, is not a lock quite yet with what I'm seeing from the Detroit Lions. Because their offense can do it. Can their defense hold up a firepower offense? And for, for right now, for me, I haven't been able to see Philadelphia put up 30 points consistently like I'm seeing from the Detroit Lions. That will be an interesting battle come down the stretch. Going back to the AFC South, I've got the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts. This was a really, really ugly game overall. I'm not really sure who to give this to. I think Tennessee just played this bad. When you're fully healthy and your defense is a top 10 defense in opponents' points per games, you should not be 2-3 and three looking this bad. Like, this is bad. Ryan Tannehill, 23 of 34, 264, one interception. Derrick Henry, 13 carries for only 43 yards with a long of eight yards. Derrick Henry on first and 10 never got a first down. 
I really never thought I'd utter that sentence in my entire life. DeAndre Hopkins finally got his looks. He had eight, eight receptions for 140 yards. Ryan Tannehill is 30th in the NFL with a, with a QBR of 37.1. This offense can't even get 300 yards a game on average. This is a team who I believe two years ago had the number one spot in the AFC, was looking like one of the most dominant offenses in the NFL, and last year, if it wasn't for Tannehill's injury, would have been another playoff team. What has happened? And I guess they don't trust their other quarterbacks enough because I haven't seen Malik's Willis name come up. Will Levis is nowhere to be found except on Duke's commercials. I don't know where to go with this team. It's I don't think it's their offensive line outside of maybe the rush offense because they only allowed one sack in this game for five yards. I, I think this is Tannehill's last year. Whether they choose Willis or Levis, Tannehill has got to go after this year because they signed DeAndre Hopkins. Derrick Henry is healthy and still a beast, and y'all are two and three last in your division. This is, we've had enough. The, the Tennessee Titan fan bases, of which I am not one of them, and I'm reveling in this catastrophe, they're, I bet you they're not happy, and they're going to be wanting more, and I think they deserve more. Let's go to the New York Giants versus the Miami Dolphins. Now, listen, we all know this was going to happen. Final score of 31-16, to 16, Miami at home playing a weak Giants team. Tua didn't really play well in this one, guys. I'm going to be dead honest. He had his moments. He had Tyreek deep, but he threw two horrific interceptions, both into like triple coverage, something like that. That... That pick six was one of the most egregious pass attempts I've ever seen. And I was shocked to see it from a dude who's been playing so accurate this year. But nevertheless, this once again proves that Miami is just this good. They broke the record for most yards in the first five games of a season. Total offensive yards beating the greatest show on turf, the St. Louis Rams from 1999, by just around 40 yards. So it wasn't by a lot, but they still now hold the record. Tua leads the league in passing yards. Tyreek leads the league in receiving yards. And rookie Devon A-Chain, man coming into his own, is second in rushing yards behind McCaffrey at 460 yards on only 38 attempts in four games. He's averaging, this is absurd, 12 0.1 yards a carry, and he's got five touchdowns. That, as a rookie, guys, I think, I'm going to say it, he deserves the Rookie of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year award, a little more than C.J. Stroud, in my opinion, right now. I know C.J. Stroud's breaking records. But A-Chain is lighting up defenses anytime he touches the ball. He's not going to get the award, however, because we just found out yesterday that he did suffer a knee injury in New York, and he is day-to-day, probably going to be out for a few weeks. That's going to hurt him getting his award chances. Now, here's the thing. I don't believe it'll hurt the Dolphins at all because you look at this Dolphins team, and they've got Raheem Mostert, who is still unbelievably productive with 314 yards on the year and seven touchdowns, and I believe he's got one touchdown through the air. Yeah, he's got eight total touchdowns. He's amazing out of the backfield. 
Devon Achain also has two touchdowns through the air. Jeez, better than I thought. So everyone else is still healthy on this team besides Torian Armstead, which honestly hasn't made a huge difference to has only been sacked six times all year. Miami, when they have all their pieces come together later this year, because they're going to get Jalen Ramsey back, they're going to get Devon Achain back. Going to be one of the scariest teams in the NFL. If they can come in clutch moments, that's the one thing that's hurting this team. On paper, they're phenomenal. When you watch them in the regular season, they're unbelievable. But they don't have the reputation to come through in playoff games, to come through in the biggest moments. And I'm nervous to see what's going to happen postseason because they're basically guaranteed to get there. They're 4-1 right now. They're leading the division. We're going to see a lot what comes out of the Miami Dolphins when they host the Buffalo Bills Week 18. And I truly believe this. That game will decide the division. Because if you look at the Dolphins' schedule, they're probably going to lose a few games, maybe one or two. They've got the Eagles on the road. They've got the Chiefs in Germany. They've still got a few teams that could just surprise them, right? I'm seeing the the Jets twice, which I don't think that'll happen, but you never know with the division. Uh, Cowboys, Ravens to end the year. There are a few teams that could put some damage on this Dolphins team to make them tied now with the Bills. Because remember, the Bills just lost this week. So they're at only 3-2. and two. Dolphins at 4-1. and one. And the Bills won their matchup. So if they tie, it's the Bills. So again, if the Dolphins can keep maybe a one victory or a tie going into that last game, that last game will probably decide the division and will honestly potentially say what's going to happen to the Dolphins come playoff time. Moving on to the New Orleans Saints and the New England Patriots. Wow, was this an ugly game. 34 to nothing. The Saints over the Patriots. Saints moved to 3-2. and two. New England is now at 1-4 and four for the first time in who knows how long. Because that's not a number I thought I'd ever say for the Patriots anytime soon. Mac Jones, not good. 12 of 22, 110 yards, two, t- two interceptions, one of them a pick six. This, this game shows just how bad New England is. Continually showing just how bad New England is. This is how bad their offense is. Their defense is top 10 in opposing yards per game allowed. But their bottom 10 in opponents points per game allowed. Which means their offense is giving up the ball in plus territory, allowing the other offense to not have to go as far to score. Which means the yards aren't as much, but the points are. They're giving up. The ball so much. Mac Jones playing so rough right now. Ramon J. Stephen was nowhere he where he should be. Only less than 25 yards this week. Ramon J. Stevenson, less than 25 yards this week. Bill Belichick is 26 and 29 since Tom Brady left. And he's 20, 72 and 79 without Brady entirely, because he's also coached before Brady. I'm not exactly sure what to do with the coaching issue. I would let this season ride with Mac Jones and maybe Bailey Zappi a few times in there. And as the owner, Robert Kraft, you have to make the decision on whether you're going to get a new head coach, new offensive coordinator, because I still don't think Bill O'Brien's a good offensive coordinator for Mac Jones. Do you want to scrap the coaching or do you want to scrap the quarterback? In my opinion, and I've heard other people say this, I think you have to scrap coaching or do you scrap both that's also an option 
I think you scrap the coaching. I genuinely believe, because they're going to have a great draft pick. You put some better offensive linemen in there. You give another weapon to Mac Jones. Their defense has potential still. But you put in a guy who knows how to work with Mac Jones, who knows how to work with young players and develop them. And I'm not saying that Bill Belichick can't do that. But I have a little more. I have one more year of faith in Mac Jones before I'm ready to pull the plug on him. It's hard for me to say that about Bill Bill Belichick because I do consider him to be the best coach of all time of what he and Brady were able to do together. But the numbers don't lie that he can't win as much as he does with Brady. So I'm giving Mac one more year and I'm going to send Belichick to the Hall of Fame. Baltimore Ravens versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Another really ugly one, 17 to 10 in favor of the Steelers. I'm not putting it all on Baltimore. The Steelers are six of their last seven victors against the Baltimore Ravens, even though the Ravens in that time frame have clearly overall been the better team. Mike Tomlin just knows how to throw whatever at John Harbaugh or Jim Harbaugh. Is it John or Jim? Shoot. Oh, wait, hold on. It's John in Baltimore. It's Jim in Michigan. Whew. Yeah, I'm almost positive I have that right. John in Baltimore, Jim in Michigan. John Harbaugh. Mike Tomlin knows to throw at John Harbaugh. 17-10 the final score. This shows just how bad Baltimore is. I just said I wasn't going to put it all in Baltimore. But there were some things I saw that exposes them a little bit. First of all, they had eight drops. I can't do anything about that particularly. But they also allowed four sacks. And when you allow four sacks, you don't give Lamar as much time in the pocket to throw yards. Lamar, before the season started, and I've said this over and over and over on this podcast, said he was going to throw for 5,000 yards. We're five games into the season, and he's thrown 1,030. At that rate, he's only going to throw 3,500 yards on the season. Granted, that would be the most he's thrown in his NFL career in a single season. That's not anywhere close to the 5,000 he said he was going to do. He's rushing the ball fantastic. Gus Edwards is filling in great for J.K. Dobbins. They're fourth in rushing yards per game as a team in the entire NFL. Their defense is second best in both yards allowed per game and points allowed per game. The defense is doing its job. The ball cannot get going through the air. Zay Flowers is doing all he can. Mark Andrews is doing all he can. Nelson Aguilar is dropping too many balls. Ordo Beckham Jr. can't stay on the field. Rashad Bateman can't hold on to the ball. You you feel like they have weapons. It's not working. Lamar Jackson's only thrown four touchdowns all year, and three of them have gone to Mark Andrews. Secondaries, if they just camp on Lamar and stay there and like the blitzes don't come as often, they can attack that rushing but they can also force Lamar to do a lot of bad stuff, especially with how weak this offensive line is. I'm nervous to see what Baltimore does later in this year when they have to play the Dolphins at the end of the year. They still have to play the Bengals again, and the Bengals are looking better. The Steelers now hold the number one spot in the AFC North, which I don't think will stay that way. But it still absolutely blows my mind to see how poorly Baltimore is playing again consecutively, even though I hype up this team every single year. The Philadelphia Eagles versus the Los Angeles Rams. Philly finally coming in with a solid game. 
23 to 14 victory that moved to 5 and 0 in the year the second the only one of two teams that is undefeated in, in the NFL. The Rams are at sitting at 2 and 3. I think that's exactly where they should be. Either 3 and 2 or 2 and 3. I think next week they'll probably win or whoever they're playing. I just feel like it's a it's a 50-50 team. Like they'll finish like 8 and 9 or 9 and 8. That's what I think of the Los Angeles Rams right now. Uh this game shows Philadelphia is just this good because they finally got everything working on all aspects of the game. You look at Jalen Hurts, he had 300 yards and a touchdown. He did have an interception, but he had 72 rushing yards and a touchdown, which is what Jalen Hurts is known for, his productivity on the rushing game. Like, you think of Hurts as a rushing quarterback, and then you look at his numbers and you're like, oh wait, he makes a massive difference on this rushing attack. DeAndre Swift has been having a fantastic year. In fact, he's only 183 yards away from his career high in a single season. Taking the reins by storm, fantastic. A.J. Brown finally gets a great game with 127 yards. Dallas Goddard with a great game of 117 yards and a touchdown. This defense got after uh, Matthew Stafford four different times in this game, held the Rams to the least amount of points they've scored all season long. Saw a defense working. You saw that offense working. They're going to need it because they're going to have to play the Commanders again, who was a close game last week. They're going to go have to play the Cowboys twice this year as well. You got the Dolphins in two weeks. You also have the Chiefs, the Bills, and the 49ers back to back to back between November and December. That's That's got to be one of the roughest things I've ever seen in my life. Now, granted, I knew it was coming because they had the worst schedule preseason right but this is the type of team that you saw this week that needs to go into those other games to even have a chance and i'm really excited to see how close those games are philly is five and oh the cincinnati Bengals versus the arizona cardinals even though it was the cardinals and they beat them by 14 you really saw just how good this cincinnati Bengals can be these cincinnati Bengals can be Joe Burrow, 36 of 46, 317 yards and three touchdowns. And who were all those touchdowns to? Jamar Chase, breaking the Cincinnati single season or single game record with 15 receptions, 192 yards and three touchdowns. Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, that connection is key for this team. In the two games, the Jamar Chase has had over 100 yards receiving. The Bengals have won both of them. If he's under 100 yards, they've lost all of them. They're 2-3 and three on the year. Listen, someone's got to listen when Jamar Chase says he's open. And by the way, any of you who didn't realize what the 7-Eleven post was by Jamar Chase after the game, like I did, I didn't get that at first, it's because 7-Eleven is open 24-7. They're always open, referring to his viral post-game interview that happened Two weeks ago. Cincinnati Bengals haven't allowed 30 points all year. That's not great stats, but it shows that when your defense can score 34, or when your offense can score 34, your defense can hold them down. Cincinnati Bengals had a similar start last year where they started off slow and finished uh, amazingly strong. Joe Burrow is getting healthy. Joe Mixon had a solid game in this one with 81 yards. He can definitely free up some space for this offense. If the momentum can keep going Cincinnati's way, we could be seeing a similar run like we did in 2022. The New York Jets versus the Denver Broncos. What 
it was a good game. It, it genuinely was a decent game, but I mean, you didn't really want to watch it, right? 31 to 21 in favor of the New York Jets. Brees Hall, the man of the hour, popping off for 22 carries, 177 yards, and a touchdown. This is exactly what the New York Jets need to do now that Aaron Rodgers is gone. If you're going to keep it with Zach Wilson, he only had to try to throw the ball 26 times, and he had 19 completions. Granted, he had an interception and no touchdowns, which is not great. But when you can, when you don't have to make him throw all that time and you can give Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook the ball, it just gives everyone a sense of ease, right? And this Broncos offense isn't going anywhere. And that's what I'm saying. The Broncos are just this bad. Their offense is obviously not doing anything. Wilson has the stats to do it. Like he had, he had 196 yards and two touchdowns in this one. But you can tell he's not leading the team. I said this when Denver came to Miami and I got to watch that game. Russell is not being aggressive. Russell is letting the game happen. Russell is not... He's not a dog right now. He's just... I don't know. He kind of... I feel like he's taking a backseat and relaxing in this game. Which is not what he should be doing when his job is on the line. When his team is expecting him to be the player that he once was... When his coach, who is now on the hot seat after claiming Nathaniel Hackett to do the worst coaching job in history, when he, Sean Payton, if you didn't know who I was talking about, is 1-4 and four on the year, you, Russell Wilson, have to step up. You have to be making the smart choices. You have to be forcing the ball downfield. Because we sure know it's not coming from your running game. Granted, really cool to see Jaleel McLaughlin the rookie, the undrafted free agent rookie who played at both Notre Dame and Youngstown State and has the all-time NCAA record for a leading rusher. He only has 160 yards on the year and 68 of them came last week. Rush game isn't happening. Pass game's got to be it. Your defense ain't helping you either because they're allowing over 450 yards a game, 187 on the ground, 263 in the air, all by far, except the air one, that's a little bit better than... The worst in the NFL. 187 ground on the ground is worse. 450 total is worse. Russell Wilson, start stepping up. Or I'm advising Denver to get rid of both you and Peyton this offseason. The, re- the complete reset button is needed in Denver if they can't turn it around by the end of this year. We're going to the Kansas City Chiefs and the Minnesota Vikings. I'll be dead honest, guys. I could not choose one team over the other when it comes to who's just this good or who's just this bad the Kansas City Chiefs are just this good and the Minnesota Vikings are just this bad I think it's both in this one because here's the thing Kansas City if they were really good should have blown out this Minnesota Vikings team but if Minnesota was just that bad they should have been blown out Minnesota Vikings is bad enough where they can lose close games to good teams and Kansas City Chiefs are just this good to beat close games against bad teams. You saw it last week against the New York Jets, Minnesota Vikings. You saw the close game against the Los Angeles Chargers that they lost. I predicted this game to end 30 to 20. The final score was 27 to 20. This is how both of these teams work. You look at the Minnesota Vikings, they're 29th in rush yards per game with 80.6. Alexander Madison is doing nothing this year. 
Kirk Cousins, though, leads the NFL with 13 touchdowns. And Justin Jefferson, until he got hurt and now is on the IR and he's out for four weeks, Justin Jefferson was the number one wide receiver in the NFL. Kansas City has a top five defense, only allowing 16 points per game. However, Patrick Mahomes only has just under 1,300 yards with only 10 touchdowns and four interceptions. Travis Kelsey is doing well with 222 yards and three touchdowns. Pacheco is doing well with 325 yards and three touchdowns. Kansas City is doing well with a great defense. Minnesota is doing well with a great offense. Minnesota is 1-4 right now. They've had a really rough schedule to start, but they're also just not coming out in the big moments. Kansas City Chiefs are 4-1 because they haven't really played anybody yet. Granted, they did beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. They did just beat the Minnesota Vikings. But you got to be able to beat the big teams. You lost to the Detroit Lions week one. When it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs schedule coming out, we're not really going to see them play a tough team till probably the Dolphins. Although they, they play the Chargers. I just feel like the Chiefs know how to play the Chargers enough. It's Broncos, Chargers, Broncos. That's the next three games for the Chiefs. I think they'll win all of them, especially when they got that Chargers game at home. That'll be a huge difference. But when they go to Germany to play the Dolphins on November 5th, that's going to be the real test for them because their defense is doing well. But can their offense keep up with it? I'm not sure. As for the Minnesota Vikings, you're really kind of just looking forward to next year and who is going to be your quarterback. At the They got to play all of their division guys. They can probably take on the Packers twice. They can probably take on the Bears twice. But honestly, there'll be a lot of close games. But at some point, you're going to play the Lions again. And you also play the 49ers and the Bengals this year. They might not get this winning season turned around. They're 1-4 and four right now, second to last in their division. And I'm... I, I think they have a good team that they can build around in the future because they still have Justin Jefferson there, but that defense isn't helping them. Cousins is looking all right, and they have no rush game whatsoever right now. Only a few more left to go, guys, and there are some fun ones. We got the Dallas Cowboys versus the San Francisco 49ers. This game was glorious. 42-10 to in favor of the 49ers, moving to 5-0. Dallas drops to 3-2. And, and Dallas gets a taste of their own medicine, both on the defensive side and on the offensive side. Christian McCaffrey scored another touchdown in this game, which makes it 14 in a row, which ties the all-time record for most touchdowns in a game for consecutive games with Emmett Smith back in 1995. So all McCaffrey has to do is score a touchdown in his next game, and he'll hold the all-time record. Brock Purdy is 10-0 as a regular season starter, which ties a regular season record as starter by for with pronoun the Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Mike Livingston and former Chicago Bears signal caller Mike Tomschek for the second most consecutive wins by quarterback to start his NFL career, to begin his NFL career. Brock Purdy has not been sacked all year long, He's first in QBR and rating. He's got nine touchdowns and zero interceptions. What? He's like, could you make an argument that Brock Purdy is playing clean enough football to go for an MVP here? I mean, because here's the thing. He's not putting out the ridiculous touchdowns. He's not pulling out the ridiculous yards. But when you're playing this clean of football, 
I believe it has to be respected at some point. He is top 10 in yards right now at 1271. He does have nine touchdowns on the year. His QBR and rating are through the roof right now. I believe it was Marcus Pierce Swagoo one time on first take that said that he trusts that the or he thinks that the 49ers are the team undefeated team with the most question marks. At the time it was the Dolphins, the 49ers, and Eagles. He thinks that the 49ers had the biggest question marks because he didn't think that or he didn't know if Brock Purdy could handle everything when he's forced to throw the ball 40 times, when he's forced to put everything on his shoulders. Um, I'm here to tell you, Marcus Spears, it might not happen. This team is good enough where he will never have to throw the ball 40 times all year long. Christian McCaffrey, if he can stay healthy, is that guy. Their defense is first in the NFL right now, only allowing 13.6 points per game. He's throwing the ball way downfield for huge gains. He's being clean in the pocket pocket with an amazing offensive line led by Hall of Famer Trent Williams. I, I don't think it's going to happen, Marcus Spears. I think you're going to see the San Francisco 49ers route every team they play this year with good, clean Kyle Shanahan football. We could be seeing a one of the most ridiculous Ridiculous football teams in NFL history right now with how effective they've been able to put it on the on the ground in the air on the defensive side their closest game all year was the Los Angeles Rams a seven-point game 30 to 23 since then they won by 18 21 32 and their first game they won by 23 the least amount of points they've scored all year is 30 30 and they did that on the Steelers defense the Rams defense and the Giants defense they put up 42 on the Cowboys defense I'm I really don't know what else to say other than I don't see a team on their roster that really has a chance at taking them down other than you could make an argument for a really good Bengals defense but they play that game at home they're gonna have to travel to Philadelphia that'll be a really really good game I don't think Seattle takes them and I don't think the Ravens take them. Otherwise, an undefeated season is on the table for the San Francisco 49ers. Last game, Monday Night Football, Green Bay Packers, Las, and Las Vegas Raiders. From all the high power offense we saw all week, this was the exact opposite. 13-7 to in favor of the Raiders. Both teams are just that bad. Both teams are now at 2-3. and three. Both teams have quarterbacks who are playing mid at best. Their offenses outside of the first few weeks of the Green Bay Packers haven't really done anything. Jordan Love is going downhill fast. He went six of 16 of 30, 182 yards, and three interceptions in this game. The Rams or the Raiders and the Packers rushing attack have been both bottom five in the NFL with the Raiders. The Raiders with the worst rushing attack in the NFL, only having around 71.4 yards per game. Josh Jacobs has only 235 yards and two touchdowns on the season, averaging 2.9 yards a carry. And some people had him as the best running back in football right now. Raiders have come down to earth. 
The Packers started off great and have also come down to earth. Both teams bottom five in total yards per game. Raiders haven't even scored more than 18 points all year, and they've somehow won two games because of their defenses. I don't see either team vying for a playoff spot. Maybe the Packers if they can play like their first three weeks. But other than that, there's really not too much else to say about these guys other than they have futures because I still think I believe in Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams and Max and Max Crosby. And I do believe in Jordan Love and that defense needs to step up a lot more, but they have the right players there. So only time will tell for both the Raiders and the Packers. As for my top five teams in the NFL, I've got the 49ers. I've got the Eagles, both undefeated teams. I think the Bills' loss against the Jaguars was a fluke, and I'm putting the Bills at three. I still think the Dolphins are legit, and I'm taking the Lions over the Chiefs at my number five spot. They've definitely stepped up into their own. They beat the Chiefs week one. I think the Lions are a top five team in the NFL. We're going to rattle off some week six game picks tomorrow night. Denver Broncos versus Kansas City Chiefs. Easy one. Chiefs are going to win that 34-13. to I got in London, the Ravens and the Titans. I don't like either of these teams right now, but I'm going to trust that Lamar Jackson can finally clutch up for me. I don't like Tennessee's Titans offense at all. Baltimore, 23-20. to Washington, Los Angeles, woohoo! Washington Commanders versus the Atlanta Falcons. Even though the Falcons are technically on a bigger high right now, I think the scoring routes have come better for the Commanders. I think they can pull off the upset 24-23 Washington. Minnesota Vikings, Chicago Bears, both teams, 1-4, and four, division rival. This is usually historically Minnesota's, but Chicago does know how to play Minnesota once in a while, and they're coming off a huge victory. I'm going to ride the 40-20 victory last week with a 27-17 win for the Chicago Bears. What I might consider to be the game of the week in Week 6 is actually going to be a 1 o'clock game. The Seattle Seahawks versus the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals have finally found their groove on the offensive sides with Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon. But the Seattle Seahawks have also been putting up a whole lot of points this year, and they just came off a bye. I'm going to say that Seattle has been playing more consistent football, sitting at 3-1 and one right now in a great playoff spot, and their defense will be able to handle Cincinnati. Give me the Seahawks on the road 31-28. to 28. San Francisco 49ers, Cleveland Browns. Not sure if Deshaun Watson will be back. Either way, 49ers have this one taken care of 30-14. to 14. Carolina Panthers, Miami Dolphins. Probably will be probably the, one of the biggest upsets of the week. I'm taking a conservative Miami Dolphins 35-17. to 17. Indianapolis Colts, Jacksonville Jaguars vying for the number one spot in the AFC South. It's in Jacksonville. They know how to play the Colts. They're coming off a massive victory, two massive victories overseas, coming back home to their fans at 3-2. and two. They're going to take the Colts handily, sitting without Anthony Richardson, who is going to be out for a few weeks again. I'm taking the Jags 27-13. to 13. New Orleans Saints, Houston Texans, a great rivalry, or I think of it a rivalry as some games in the past have gone the Saints' way. I think it'll go the Saints' way again. They were coming off a great defensive performance against the Patriots. Houston's offense, anytime they play even a remotely good defense, haven't been able to put up a lot of points, except I guess Pittsburgh, but I'm blaming J.J. Watt for that one. New Orleans, they know how to play in Houston. I'm going to take the Saints 28-13. to 
to 17. New Orleans Saints lost, or sorry, New England Patriots, Las Vegas Raiders. What a game this was last year. I think the Raiders are going to be a little bit more composed this time. I'm taking the Raiders 24 to 20. Or actually, no. I'm taking the Raiders 24-20, but I said the composed part wrong because it was the uh it was the Patriots who blew that one last time and the Raiders end up ended up winning. Uh, I think that'll happen maybe something similar this game as well. 24-20 Raiders. Los Angeles Rams hosting the Arizona Cardinals. As much as the Cardinals have been giving troubles to so many teams this year, I think the Rams are just a little too good. Like I said, I thought they were going to beat whoever they were playing, move to 3-3, three and three, which is exactly where I think this team ends up. 26-19, final score in LA. Philadelphia Eagles, New York Jets, was supposed to be the marquee matchup of the week before Aaron Rodgers decided to tear an Achilles. Rest his soul, please. Uh, I think he's having a great recovery. This could be really interesting. Um, I know that Greeny said something about him coming back by the end of the year. Not happening. Not happening. Wait till next year. Eagles will take this one 23-14. Detroit Lions, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa sitting right now at 3-1, and one, leading the AFC South. But I think they're going to get train wrecked by a Detroit Lions offense. I'm still putting it at a one-score game because Tampa's, Tampa's defense has surprised me this year. But I still think this is an easy Detroit pick, 30-23. to 23. And then the Buffalo Bills hosting the New York Giants on Sunday night football. Giants, just let's just throw them in another primetime game so they can get blown out. 40-18, to 18, I'm taking the Bills. And then Monday night football, finally getting a decent primetime game this week. I'm going to take, or it's... Uh, it's actually the Dallas Cowboys versus the Los Angeles Chargers, and I am taking the Chargers coming off a bye week at home with Austin Eckler in play. I'm taking the Chargers in a great matchup, close game, 29-26. to 26. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for sticking with me as we are just almost, or actually after this week, we will be a third of the way through the NFL to all of my collegiate brethren out there going through midterms. I wish you the best of luck. Make sure to catch me up on social media for the game picks and we'll hear from you next week. Peace out.